as many of you know, uh, for the past two months, I have been inviting each of us to lean in and embrace the greatness of God and all that he has for us, while at the same time inviting us to surrender to his embrace and the potential that he plants within each of us. And that's reflected in the image that we've been putting up there. Again, by way of very, very, very quick review, uh, we talked about what a great God we serve. We talked about a great Savior. We talked about a great counselor. Diana shared a message on the great life that he offers us. Spent a couple weeks looking at the greatest commandment and the second one, which was very similar, and then Great Commission. We took a week off last week to celebrate our homecoming. Today, I want you to think a little bit with me about embracing the greatness of God's grace. Uh, some of you may have recalled, maybe even read the book. A few years ago, Max Lucado wrote a book called Grace. Uh, let me get to the right slide here. Sorry about that. He wrote a book called Grace. More than we deserve, greater than we imagine. What a great thought. More than we deserve and greater than we imagine. And as we think a little bit about God's grace uh, today, uh, I know some of you, some of you I don't know quite so well, some of you, I know, have a really active imagination. Uh, I won't name names. But to think about God's grace being greater than we can imagine. The depth of his love, his patience, his love, his mercy, his tenderness, his heart to embrace us, his heart to have us embrace him. Uh, Max Lucado's book and the words he put in there have influenced many of my thoughts today and I just my comments today and I just want to give credit where credit is due. But I invite you to start with me by remembering as soon as we talk about grace, some of you, your mind automatically goes to the great hymn of our faith. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. As I'm sure you well know, music evokes a plethora of emotions and reactions. Often the responses to a given piece of music can be quite varied. But I'm hard-pressed in my life's experience to remember meeting someone who did not have on some level a degree of fondness or appreciation for at least some of the variations of the song Amazing Grace. I suspect there's a strong possibility that that has been played, shared, sung, read at more funerals uh, than any other song throughout history, and for good reason. It brings, it offers, I should say, a great deal of hope and encouragement. Like many of you, I've been listening to and singing that song my entire life. Yet I rarely have stopped to ask myself, Really? Have I really been amazed by grace? What's the evidence? What's the difference? Based on the way I live, based on the way I love, based on the way I act, based on the way I speak, could anyone tell that I've been amazed by grace? Kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? We get so familiar with, with that expression and that phrase. But what's different? What's different? Because 
I know the sweetness of the sound of his grace. What's different because that grace touched a sinner like me? What difference can people see? Would anybody look at my life or look at your life and say, wow, that person has truly been amazed by grace. I can just see it. It just radiates from them. What's different because of grace that I was once lost, but now I'm found? What do I see differently because I was blind and and now I see? So I ask you the question this morning. Have you? Have you been amazed by grace? I want to very quickly suggest three things along that theme. The first is I want to comment briefly, excuse me, briefly on the gift of grace. And again, a very, very quick and simple biblical definition, not biblical, secular definition of grace. Look it up in the dictionary. If any of you know what that is, Google it. You'll get it that way from Wikipedia. Uh, But one of the definitions of grace is unmerited divine assistance given humans for their regeneration or sanctification. All right? Unmerited. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. There's no reason we should get it. But we receive divine assistance to help us experience a new life. Regeneration. Or to take our life to a deeper, better, more set apart. Sanctification means set apart. Amazing grace. Another definition of grace is a virtue coming from God. Not not initiated by me, but something coming from God. And then another one, another one refers to a state of sanctification enjoyed through divine grace. In other words, he's taken what I have to offer and he's transformed it and enabled me to set aside more of myself to honor him in everything that I do and everything that I say. To me, as I encourage us to wrestle a bit with the gift of grace, as I encourage us to to struggle with that question, what's the evidence that I've been amazed by grace? It's an invitation to move from grace being a noun, a descriptor, to being a verb, reflective of action. We're called to not just believe that grace exists. We're called to experience it in a way that changes us. We're called to be immersed in it in a way that impacts how we interact with our world. We're called to be transformed by it. So again, I say, have I been amazed by grace? And can others tell? Some of what Scripture has to say, Ephesians chapter 2, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is by grace that you and I have the opportunity to be something different than what our human nature calls us, perhaps even drives and compels us to be. It is that unmerited gift from God that enables us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that none can, no one can boast. Again, is that reflected in my life? An acknowledgement that it is solely by my faith in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross that I opt for something, that I have the hope of something different. 
Titus chapter 2 verse 11 puts it this way. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Sometimes, and I'll talk about this in just a moment, sometimes we don't feel like it's for us. But that's a lie. Scripture makes it perfectly clear. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's there. The offer's on the table. The crucial question is, what am I doing with it? Am I allowing myself to be immersed in it? And then Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 puts it this way. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See to it. That's part of what we are here to do collectively as the body of Christ is to help one another experience the grace of God to make sure that no one misses it by what we teach, by how we live. And so again, I ask Have you been amazed by grace? And can others see it? Because that's part of the responsibility we have is to show others what it is to live a life that reflects the gift of grace that has been offered to us. Talk briefly about the grit of grace. What's the difference between a piece of paper, and a piece of sandpaper. Grit. All right? This is uh, 150, a pretty fine grit. But if I took this piece of paper and I took a piece of wood and rubbed on it and rubbed on it and rubbed on it, it might get a little shiny, but it's not going to be much different. And if it's a rough piece of wood, it's probably just going to shred the paper and give me splinters, and then you'll have to hear me whine about that. Um, but a piece of sandpaper. In the hands of someone who knows what they're doing. Because <laughs> I've seen people make a mess of stuff with sandpaper. But as somebody who knows what they're doing, a woodworker like Mike Hollenbaugh or Jerry Densmore, they can take a piece of sandpaper and they can take a rough, nasty piece of wood and gently, skillfully, using that grit to remove imperfections and take something that had major issues that were not positive and gently, not without resistance, but gently begin to take those imperfections away. Grit, when I talk about the grit of grace, grit equals change. In his book, Max Lucado spent some time talking about what he called very graciously goldfish grace. And he suggested that many of us as Christ followers, even though we mean well, we actually have goldfish grace it's grace that sits on a shelf and looks pretty but doesn't really do anything at all to change our lives 
the calling, folks, is for us to have a, a grace that has enough grit to change us. Now, especially if you're using fine grit sandpaper like that there, it takes a while. It takes a while. You might start with a little coarser and then get a little... And I think... God started with some really coarse sandpaper when he started on me. And he's still working away. And I praise him for that. Just think a little bit today. How different are you because of God's grace in your life? As people... Many of us may have grown up in the church. We may have heard people talk about grace. We may have read books about grace. We may have memorized scripture passages about grace. But sometimes it's more goldfish grace. There's not much different in our life because of the grace that we say we believe in. We've not allowed the grit to get in there and do its work. The grit of grace is intended to transform our hearts and consequently our entire lives from the inside out. Scripture speaks to it. Ezekiel chapter 11 says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. I wonder, has the grit of grace begun to change your heart from the inside out. Later in Ezekiel, this time I'm going to quote the message. It says, it says this. It says, for here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you out of these countries and gather you from all over and bring you back to your own land. I'll pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. Scrub sounds like he's got a brush and it's getting down there. I'll give you a new heart and put a spirit in you. I'll remove the the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that is God-willed, not self-willed. Wow. I will take your heart that is self-willed and replace it with a heart that is God-willed. Hmm. That's a long ways from goldfish grace, isn't it? I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. You'll once again live in the land I gave your ancestors. You'll be my people and I will be your God. What an amazing thought. I wonder, has grace, or shouldn't, let me, let me back that up. Is grace doing that work in your heart? There's an image I, I'm going to have you look at. Some of you have seen it before. And anybody recognize that image? It was, in the, it was all over the news a while back. Many years before this moment, that bride lost her son in a terrible accident. When she was getting married a second time, her fiancé tracked down the young man who received her son's heart without her knowing it and invited her to him to come and be a groomsman in their wedding 
Whose heart's she listening to there? The young man standing there? Or her son's heart? God says, I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that is God-willed, not self-willed. When God listens to your chest, what does he hear? What does he hear? The sound of your heart that is self-willed or the heart of Christ that he seeks through the good of grace to transplant into your life. We quote these verses often and sometimes it's just too familiar. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friends, my hope is that the song Amazing Grace, that the concept of God's grace would take on a slightly different meaning because of our comments today. Colossians 1.27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So how has the grit of grace impacted your life? The invitation is for us to live within the grip of grace. And very simply, the grip of grace is intended to change the way I view and relate to God. He is not some mean cosmic policeman in the sky waiting for us to mess up so he can whack us with his nightstick. Think back to this past week briefly. What happened in your life this week that you could have or should have or perhaps did recognize as evidence of his grace impacting your life? Did you recognize it at the time? Did you give him the glory, the praise, the thanks? It's interesting for me, oftentimes, God, I experience his grace through the way other people treat me and relate to me. And my tendency, I'm I'm not saying this is the way it should be, but my tendency is, is to give credit to the person who showed me grace. But really, they're just representing. They're just expressing God's grace to me. He is using them as an instrument of his grace. But it's his grace. And as I put these notes on paper, I I realized I need to do better with recognizing, yes, someone said something nice to me. Yes, someone did something nice to me. Yes, someone sent me a nice note. Yes, somebody stepped up above and beyond and it blessed me. And 
And I do need to thank and appreciate them. But I need to understand and celebrate where it comes from. The grip of grace changes the way I view and relate to God. I can tell you from my own personal experience, if I can begin to view grace from that perspective, I'm less inclined to think poor, poor, pitiful me, which I do quite often. Because really, His grace is there far more than I give Him credit for. The grip of grace changes the way I view and relate to myself. Friends, from time to time, we all need to just step back and say, have I truly embraced the fact that Jesus died for me just the way I was and he died for me just the way I am today? I'm not that person. I'm not yet that person. I'm this person. And Jesus died for me just the way I am today. And his grace is intended to keep me from staying just the way I am today. Grace changes the way I view and relate to myself. I am asking it again. Are you amazed by that? Are you inspired by the fact that the God of all creation shows you favor that you don't deserve, that you cannot earn, that he sent his son to die on the cross to purchase for you? Are you amazed by that? Are you inspired by that? Are you transformed by that? Are you encouraged by that? Friends, that's amazing grace. Or are you subconsciously still trying to earn his love and acceptance? Newsflash, you're going to fail. Because you can't. If you could, the whole crucifixion thing wouldn't have needed to happen. And you're only going to be miserable because you're going to fail. Grace changes the way I view and relate to myself in that, you know what? I'm not good enough. But Jesus is good enough. And that's enough. I wonder, are we keeping him at arm's length? Because we don't want to risk his his rejection. I'm not going to fully lean into that because what if I blow it? How much is that going to hurt? You know what? He expects you to blow it. And he expects you to draw closer when you do. The grip of grace changes the way I view and relate to others. Now, for some of you, this is going to be difficult. But for others of us, it's really easy. Think back to the last time you realized you were wrong. Huh? Some of you, it was within the past 20 minutes. For some of you, you may have to go back 20 years. But think back to the last time you really realized you were wrong. Did you respond with grace? Or did you try to justify it and shift the blame? I remember, I I won't go into the whole story, but I was in my early 20s when I realized just how powerful it could be when you just said, 
you're right. I blew it. <laughs> Situation where someone was very upset with me. I mean, very upset. And they were expressing it in a very aggressive fashion. But you know what? They were right. I'd blown it. <laughs> and I just detached myself from their anger and hostility. And I just said, you're right. I'm sorry. I blew it. I can't take back what I did. And it was like they were going to explode because they wanted us to argue. And it was like, wow, it was so freeing to say, you know what? If there are consequences for my failure, I, I will own that. And it was just like, wow. Now, please understand that's one of the few times I got it right, all right? Like many of you, my natural inclination is, not my fault. I, I, I watched some football yesterday. I love it when somebody, you know, they, they, it's, it's a clear penalty. I mean, they jumped off sides or, or they knocked the receiver down before the ball had even been thrown, and they go like, it's not me. Dude, you know there are dozens of cameras, all right? That doesn't make it all better. Well, it wasn't me, huh? Some of you have children. You understand that. Oh, it wasn't me. Some of you have a spouse. Oh, it wasn't me. Grace, the grip of grace, allows us to be able to say, yeah, I, I, I blew it. There are times that you and God need to have that conversation. Lord, I, I'm so sorry. I, I blew it. The other side of that. Think back to the last time you realized someone else was wrong. Did you respond with God's grace? And now please understand, when I say that, I'm not saying we are absolved of consequences. I'm not saying when somebody messes up that you need to absolve them of all consequences. But we need to think about how God's grace would respond in those moments. In closing, I'm going to pray this prayer in just a moment and invite you to pray it for yourself. Help me receive the gift of grace. Friends, the, the essence of what we teach in the Christian church is the gift of grace. That's the whole story. Help me be transformed by the grid of grace. Friends, the gift of grace is pointless if it does not generate transformation. That, that's what it's all about. Help me be transformed by the grid of grace. And then help me to daily live in the grip of grace. Not a goldfish grace on the shelf that looks pretty, but a grace that grips me every day and helps me to increasingly, <coughs> excuse me, and helps me to increasingly get it right. Increasingly allow his grace to flow through me increasingly allowing me to be transformed by it. Would you bow your heads and pray with me?
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Father, my prayer is simple. And it is my hope that others will pray this. Dear God, help me to receive the gift of your grace in the fashion you intended me to experience it. Precious Heavenly Father, help me to increasingly be transformed by the grit of grace, taking away bit by bit the imperfections and increasingly make my life beautiful in your sight. And Father, help me to daily live in the grip of your grace that changes how I see and relate to you, that changes how I see and, and, and relate to myself, that changes the way I see and relate to others. Because, Father, they are all invited to be recipients of your grace, just as I am. I thank you for that gift, Father. I thank you that it's a gift that does not intend for us to stay the same. And I thank you that you are patient in walking through us every step of the way. Help us, Father, to embrace the greatness of your grace. Amen. Shall